This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you'll have your Bibles handy, tonight we want to look at an important subject that is going to help prepare us, I believe, for a new year. Of course, this is the time of year when we think about new beginnings, new opportunities. Another year, more blank pages in heaven's record where we as saints can, by the power of God, uh, have a record that brings glory to the Lord and is able to hear one day His well done. But that also involves the right kind of time management. And on these Sunday evenings, we have been uh, looking at the subject of gripping God and letting go of some things that are not helpful to us in our race as we uh, run for the Lord. Uh, there are other things where we need to grip God and be involved in activities that are, are going to help us be more fruitful and more effective for Him. And tonight we want to talk about gripping God in order to have Him control us so that we can make the most of our time. And the scripture says it this way, redeeming the time, buying it back, making the most of the time that we have left, and the reminder that none of us are really sure how much time we have left. And as I reminded us again this morning, I attended a funeral this week of a young man. He had his whole life in front of him. And oh, by the way, he still has his whole eternal life in front of him. He knew Christ. He lived for Christ. But his opportunity to serve the Lord here in God's perfect will, that opportunity is done. And if God gives you and I the opportunity to go into and even perhaps finish 2021, we need to redeem the time. Now let's be reminded that we serve a Savior who knows what it is to be limited by time. When He became man, He entered time. The one who inhabits eternity entered time time. Try to wrap your minds around that. And in flesh, there was a morning, and there was an evening, and there was the need to sleep. But even His coming was in the fullness of what? Of time. And as He walked through His earthly journey and His earthly ministry, things would happen, and, and they would try to kill Him. And he'd slip away. Why? Because his time was not yet come. And then as he got to Jerusalem, those final days, and now the scripture says it was the time for him to be offered. And he went to the cross according to God's time and plan. And so this evening, you all received in an email, actually this afternoon, you received... Uh, Lord willing, an email that has an attachment where uh, you can pull that up and uh, hopefully uh, fill in some blanks. If you can print that off on your printers at home. If not, just have a blank piece of paper handy and a pen 
And this PowerPoint, uh, you'll be able to just take notes, and I think the PowerPoint itself will be enough uh, to help guide you through as we study God's uh, Word together. But uh, as we conclude a year and as we look to start another year, we know that we're going to give an account to the God who has created time and given us the time to serve and glorify Him. So by way of introduction, this question, are you satisfied with your use of time and what you get accomplished in a day? You say, well, that depends on the day. Some days go more smoothly than others, don't they? All right, But, but are you satisfied uh, on a regular basis? Is there the consistency where you feel like your time is being used wisely? Do you struggle with the need to pace yourself? And from time to time, we all do struggle. Uh, we're tempted, at least I am, to be lazy. Uh, we get tired. Uh, things happen that throw our schedules off. But do you struggle with the need to pace yourself while also answering the following concerns? And I think as we look at these concerns, it'll remind us of our need for this study. All right? But these following concerns. But is this important? Okay? You ever find yourself doing something and you really wonder, should I be taking time to do this? Is this important? Or how about this one? But it's for the church. We love the Lord. We love to serve Him. And somebody calls and asks for our help. Or maybe we were at church and we saw a need. And, and well, somebody needs to do that. It's for the church. Or this one. But it's for my family. Years ago, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. made this statement. He said, duties don't conflict. Or something along those lines. I think he meant priorities don't conflict. But I'll tell you, duties do conflict, and, and my duties, your duties, they're running into each other all the time. Church, family, all right? But it's for my family. Or, or do you struggle with this concern? If I don't do it, who will? Or I would feel guilty if I don't do it. So I'll just quickly, I'll do it, and then I, then I won't ha have any guilt related to this. Now, we're not going to take time to analyze these statements and these thoughts, but the point is these are the things that knock around in our heads in relation to time. And how do we respond to these thoughts? Common internal struggles related to the use of time. Okay? Here are some common internal struggles. I have these. Perhaps you have these too. My life feels like a long to-do list. Now, I like to-do lists. In fact, I can't survive without it. I've got to check things off, and, and that's how I keep up. But wouldn't you love it if just one day your to-do list, there was just nothing to do? That's not how life works. It just keeps coming. All right? And, and does your life feel like that sometimes? Or I say yes to activities that I really don't have time for. 
I really don't have time to do this. Or requests feel like demands to me because of the way I perceive them. Sometimes there are just so many things coming at us that requests that are not out of the ordinary. They're, they're not really even that difficult, but they seem like demands. Where you can get to the point where everything is just a pressure or a burden. We want to try to give you some help to, to clarify these things in our minds and some things will help alleviate this kind of thinking. Or this one, again, another common internal struggle. I struggle with the balance between rest and an honest day's work. Maybe I could word it this way. Do you ever feel guilty when you take a break? I do. And I'm glad Renee's not able to be here tonight. She's at home and I can hear her amen all the way from Portsmouth. All right? Yeah. Honey, it's okay to take a break. All right? But, but oh, there's just, there are things that need to be done. I will quickly add that's not the right way to perceive life and to think. Okay? But those are the internal struggles. Now, we've, we've got a few in the auditorium. How many of you have any of those internal struggles? All right. Uh, we just had a unanimous invitation here at Good News. That's, it's been a while, but, but that's what happened tonight. Okay. So again, as we consider this matter of time, life becomes simpler and more restful when a believer allows the Bible to order his or her day. Life becomes more simple. The songwriter said, when all I seek is you, Lord. What really matters is that a Christian be able to pillow his or her head at night, knowing that God's to-do list was completed for that day. And that's the way we have to view our lives. All right, Lord, what do you have for me to do today? What was Jesus' whole mindset? I need to be about my father's business. That's what he was consumed with. Lord, what do you have, Father, what do you have for me today? And that's what I'm going to pursue. I love Psalm 37, 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, the Lord, delights in his way. Does he do everything perfectly? No. But though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. With his hand. All right, so life becomes simpler. This whole matter gets cleaned up, cleared up, when we are doing things according to God's order, what he has laid out for our lives. Now, for those who are in the auditorium, they have the handout tonight. I just want to make sure that I mention uh, some of the material support for what I'm presenting tonight uh, comes from Winston Smith with the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, a little booklet that he's put out. It's in our bookstore, by the way, entitled Burned Out, Trusting God with Your To-Do List. So there's some good help in there, and then I'm, I'm going to add some other things this evening as well. 
Now, in order to manage our time and, and a little really to give you hope and confidence as you go into the new year, okay? Uh, well, I want to resolve to do this differently and do this differently. If you'll just resolve to do what God has for you every day and to do it in His strength, you'll be amazed at what can happen in 2021. But all of that hinges really on two important things to understand from God's Word. First of all, there is a command to rest. There is a command to rest. And I hope that you have some habits where you rest. My habit, all right, uh, even though uh, I work each Lord's Day, my habit is I have to have that Sunday afternoon nap or else. It's a habit, okay? And then uh, our pastoral staff, we take Mondays off uh, unless something comes up where it's just absolutely necessary for us uh, to be involved with something. But it's important that we rest. Why? Well, because I feel like I need it. That's not the primary consideration. It's required by the Lord. It's a command to rest. There is one very important reason to slow down and rest, and that is that God commands it. He commands it. In fact, He commanded it in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. We're not going to take time tonight to read verses 8 through 11, but if you evaluate all of those Ten Commands, and if you look at how much time God spends with each command, you'll discover that the lengthiest discussion of a command has to do with the Sabbath rest. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Sabbath, the word, comes from the Hebrew word meaning ceasing or stopping. Stopping what? Stopping labor, stopping work. The first instance of Sabbath rest in the Bible wasn't man. It was God who rested. Genesis 2, 1 to 8, God created. He made, and it was good, and on the seventh day, God rested. The Creator's rest doesn't picture tiredness. He wasn't worn out. In fact, we could put it in human terms, God didn't even break a sweat. He spoke, and there it was. He spoke, and there it was. So it doesn't picture tiredness, but absolute sovereignty. Do you know why God rested? As a testimony to man to rest, but also because he's illustrating for us his sovereign control. God's rest wasn't because of fatigue. Planning and speaking creation was effortless. And so he did that to show us his greatness, but also to teach us. What was it that God was teaching us? Well, God's command, or God's uh, people are to observe this rest, not only because of their need for renewal. Let me finish the statement, and then we'll come back. Okay, God's design for man, renewal. And part of that design is dependence. Dependence. But also, he instituted this because we are to reflect on his care and sovereignty over us. 
All right, so God's people are to observe this rest not only because they need renewal, but also because they are to reflect on his care and sovereignty over them, over us. So when we talk about taking a day a week to rest, we also understand that it is meant to reflect on who God is, what God has done. Now let me ask you a question. Did God make us to need renewal, yes or no? Yes. Have you ever taken time, and I probably should have looked this up, but you've heard the statistics, how much of our lives are spent asleep or where we should be sleeping? There are people that think that rest is a waste of time, but your medical doctor won't agree with that thinking. My heart, my organs, all of that needs renewal. I've said over and over, trying to remind our church here, uh, something that God keeps, keeps working to teach me, God made the spir our spiritual lives and our natural lives to reflect each other, the natural to reflect the spiritual. And just as we need rest to renew physically, we need prayer, time with the Lord to renew spiritually, just as we need food to renew our strength as well. We need God's Word, spiritual food to renew us. If I don't have physical food and rest, my body will deteriorate, my health will, will be hurt. And a Christian who doesn't daily spend time in God's Word and in significant prayer will not have the strength to keep going. And by the way, it will affect us physically. The spiritual affects the physical. And it will impact how we use our time. All right, so this command to rest is very, very important. So as we move on, the Sabbath rest serves as a symbol of God's rest, an ongoing picture of His power and His glory. And so rest forces us to acknowledge that God isn't just uh, in perfect control of His world, but He's in control of our life, our world as well. Isn't our flesh deceitful and doesn't it just not see things clearly so often? God runs the universe, but I'll question whether or not he can actually manage my affairs. I don't need to question that. You don't need to question that. And again, our rest forces us to acknowledge that God isn't just in perfect control of his world, but ours as well. And just, just something practical, something simple. Think about this. When you are asleep, are you vulnerable? What do you think? Yeah. You can wake up in the morning and things may have happened in your house. You had no idea. When we sleep, we're vulnerable. But here's a question for you. Are we ever really vulnerable? Because the scripture reminds me, my God never slumbers or what? He never sleeps. His eye is always attentive. And so 
I can lay me down, as the psalmist said, and I can rest. I can be at peace. And so the command to rest reminds me that I should not only rest physically, but just rest in His care. It's an exercise of faith as we live out the truth that God owns and runs the universe, and that includes you and me. Now here's the greatest, one of the greatest evidences in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. But one of the greatest evidences that we are commanded to rest and to trust God is the fact that God told the Israelites to take a whole year off. All right, is rest important? Take a whole year off. You'll find that in Leviticus 25, verses 1 to 7. And let's turn over there. I want us to, to just look at what, what God told them because we're going we're gonna to take this passage uh, apart a little bit and look at specifically uh, what the Lord is teaching here. But go to Leviticus 25. And notice verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath, unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither plow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest, thou shalt not reap, uh, neither gather the grapes of the vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the Lord. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you and thee and for thy servant and for thy maid and for thy hired servant and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee and for thy cattle and for the beasts that are in the, uh, thy land and all the increase thereof be meat. So what the Lord is saying, I want you to rest for an entire year. Just let the ground lie fallow and of course, Scientifically, farmers know that you have to do that or you have to replenish the nutrients. Uh, back in this day, you just, you just let the ground lie. But God is saying, if you'll rest and if you'll let the ground rest, I will still provide for you. And they were to give it all to God. I mean, rest completely on the Lord. That's what I mean by that. Okay? Just trust Him to supply. Now, could they trust him to supply? Well, absolutely. Uh, when their forebears had, had wandered around in the wilderness for those 40 years, did God take care of them, yes or no? Yeah. Not only bread, but also meat from heaven and water out of rocks and, and, and such. Okay, God is able to do that, but he was expecting that they would just rest and trust him. Now, the fact that it was a Sabbath for the Lord, verse 4, indicates that the purpose was greater than giving the land rest. Note the question again in verse 20. And if ye shall say, again, I'm in Leviticus 25, if ye shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow, 
nor gather in our increase. The answer, verse 21, then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. Hey, God's going to take care of you. And ye shall sow the eighth year, and, yet, and eat yet the old fruit until the ninth year, until her fruits come in, ye shall eat the old store. So God, who makes stuff grow anyway, right? He's going to determine in those other years that enough grows to be able to sustain you, so while you're resting, you're learning to depend upon me. Without working, God indicated that they would trust him. They should trust him to provide. God controls the world. He cares for his own. And he proved that with Israel. Now here's, here's the application. And by the way, it's still an application even for the church today. Why do some people work on Sundays and miss church? Because if the truth were known, they really doubt whether without that extra day of work and that pay, whether they can really make it. Let's just be honest. Now, again, there are some folks, firefighters, police officers, doctors, okay. Some need to work. Okay? <clears throat> By the way, they also need to rest. That's right here in the text. But the point is some, even God's people, will work on those. They'll just work seven days a week. Why? Because really they wonder if God's able to meet their needs without them having that extra, extra work time. And what they need to realize, and maybe some listening need to realize, that the reason that God established the Sabbath rest is for you to rest just so in faith you'll trust the Lord to meet your needs. That's the whole point. And it was the point with Israel. So, a command to rest. Do you do it? Jesus took time away with his disciples to rest. Right now on Sunday mornings, we're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. All right, mountaintop living. And we're going to get to the end of Matthew chapter 6. And what does the Lord say there over and over, beginning in Matthew 6, 25? Take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought of what? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And the Lord will say, I'm going to meet all those needs, just like I do uh, for the lilies of the field as I clothe them, for the birds as I feed them. You're greater than those I'll take care of you. Take no thought, but he says, seek me first. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And what's his promise? All these things will be added unto you. Now, does God expect us to work? Yes. But does he expect us to rest in obedience to him? Yes. And that accomplishes some very important uh, things in our lives. In fact, if we don't obey the command to rest, we're going to hurt our ability to obey the command to work. And so that takes us to the next part in our outline, the command to work. There are three different categories, as we look at the Word of God, where work really is structured for us. And we want to look at those now. 
The command to work applies, first of all, to physical work. Physical work. We give you some references to consider under physical work. 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. For I hear, Paul says to the Thessalonians, that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Have you ever heard the expression of disorderly brother or sister? Well, in the context... How are they being disorderly? They're not obeying the command to work. Reading on. Working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. Work quietly and eat their own bread. Provide and eat their own bread. How about 1 Timothy 5.8? But if any provide not for his own, his own family, and especially those of his own house. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. Okay? So the command is to work. In fact, if a person doesn't work, Scripture just comes right out and says they shouldn't eat. So physical work is commanded. Do you realize that God created you? He created me. To work. What happens when a person works all the time and they don't rest? Their health deteriorates. What happens if they rest all the time and they don't work? Their health deteriorates. God made us to work. It's commanded. Physical work. And then spiritual work. We're to be about our Father's business just as the Lord Jesus was. Again, some passages that refer to this spiritual work. John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Spiritual work. Our time is limited. We're to redeem the time. While it is called today, I need to be busy for the Lord. Ephesians 2, 10 for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto or for good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you know the Lord saved me to work for him? He ordained. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And of course, in that context, part of that fruit bearing is answer prayer, praying. And multiple ways that we do our work for the Lord, but we are His workmanship for work. And then Titus 2, 7 and 8, In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing uncorruptness. And I, I love that statement because it takes us back to the foundational truth we're looking at here tonight, and what is that? You and I cannot rest properly, we can't work properly, unless we have pure doctrine. This isn't rocket science, okay? I don't have to be a genius. Praise God, I am not, okay? But the same God who created me sent along an instruction manual, 
and he told me how I'm to function and how I'm to do my work for him, what the priority structure should be, where I draw my strength to do the work I'm supposed to do for him. And if I have pure doctrine, I'll be able to have good fruit, good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, do it in a dignified way. Our work should not be sloppy. It should not be haphazard. It needs to be in a dignified way. We are servants of the king. I love reading about the servants in Solomon's court. Queen of Sheba shows up and she is overwhelmed. How the servants come in, how they go out. Uh, they're happy. The structure, the order, and that was for a human king. How should we work for the king of kings? It ought to be done right, decently, and in order, dignified, and then with sincerity. It needs to come from the heart, as unto the Lord. Sound in speech that cannot be condemned. So as we do it, our speech should, again, be a testimony to the Lord, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. Those who are not working properly, they'll be ashamed by your work, having no evil thing to say of you. So spiritual work, spiritual work, command from the Lord. And then last in your outline, it needs to be structured work, structured work. In other words, order and a sense of purpose are important for each of us. Yet the events of a day can completely obscure the order of our lives. Isn't that true? We depend not on the horse today. We depend on vehicles. Are you guaranteed in the morning your car will start? I hope it does for every one of you, okay? But the reality is if you get out there and you're on a time schedule and that car doesn't start, your schedule just changed. There's such variety to our lives. There are so many things that can happen. A Christian is greatly helped who lives by the truth that his labor is not in vain. Listen, in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15 58. So let's talk about our work for the Lord, and let me do this very quickly. We tend to attribute work for the Lord to the main things, and this is work for the Lord, witnessing for Christ, being involved in our local church, our tithing, our gifts, uh, our tithes and offerings for the Lord. Uh, we, we tend to look at it in that light, and all that is true. But here's something else that we need to consider. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so when the scripture says that we are to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, what is that talking about? Well, here's God's perspective on it. When I do something through the power of God, in obedience to God, whether it's an action 
or whether it's a reaction. Do you know what God says? That is worthy of me, and I'll reward it. So you get up in the morning, you've got your to-do list, and you've even spent time, you've had your devotions, you've spent time in prayer. Romans chapter 12, you've surrendered yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. You get out to the car, it won't start. Do you know that with your to-do list now aside, because you can't get to some of that, when you respond in simple faith and trust and with a right spirit to the Lord because of that circumstance, that is work worthy of the Lord and he's pleased. It's, it's that simple. I, you know, we're, we've got these plans as a family. We're going to go do this together for the Lord. And one of the children is sick. Well, we can't. No, no, no. Yes, you can. Now with this new set of circumstances, as we looked at recently, you just discovered what God already knew. And in those events, in those circumstances, when you respond in a heart of faith and trust and joy and gratitude to the Lord, and you respond properly in that situation, you are walking in a worthy manner of Him, and your work is acceptable to Him. And that brings the structure into things that can seem chaotic. Those who live by biblical priorities discover that there is unity and meaning in the diversity of their work. Let me ask you a question. Of course, Jesus is all-knowing. But did Jesus' plans for his day ever change? And, and, and by that I mean, did he intend to do something he was going to teach, or, or he was planning to do this, but then somebody came into his life and interrupted him? Well, of course that happened. Or when he's trying to do his father's will, somebody opposes him. Did that ever happen? Sure it did. All the time, but he continued to do what was in the will of his Father in heaven. It needs to be in our hearts and on our minds that the circumstances that come into my life, that's the will of God if I'm walking with the Lord, if I'm seeking to please Him. That's the will of God, not what I thought was the will of God necessarily. And that brings meaning in the diversity of our work. Of course, an example of this would be the times that Paul and, and some of the other missionaries in the New Testament found themselves in prison. And instead of complaining because now we can't do what, we can't plan a church and, and the believers out there need us, but we're behind bars. And no, no, no. They're rejoicing. This is part of God's plan. And how God blessed that, how God used that, Now here's some helps for structuring your work. And I hope that in the new year, this, this, these will be things that you'll write down. Put them someplace in your Bible. Put these notes in your Bible and, and just refer to them. Try to make them a part of how you think and how you respond in relation to your time and schedule. Number one, do your work in the Holy Spirit's power. 
Do your work in the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, For uh, some time now, I have tried to literally practice what Romans 12, 1 and 2 talk about. There's a formal presentation. So when I get up in the morning and I get alone with the Lord and my Bible, my Bible reading, my prayer time, I make a formal presentation to the Lord. Lord, I am yielding all of me to all of you. Holy Spirit, I can't do whatever you have for me today. I can't do that in my own power. But you have said, and here are the passages, John 15, abide in me, as ye cannot. <laughs> ye are the, I'm the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So, folks, that's the way it is. So abide in me. Uh, I, I love, again, Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their, what? Strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Eagles can fly over the storms. They can fly above the trouble. And with that kind of strength, you can walk and not grow weary. You can run and not faint. And what's the prophet say? Wait, I say, on the Lord. Think about Galatians 5.16. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, so number one, do your work in the Holy Spirit's power. Number two, learn when to say no. Turn over to Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. This this verse addresses something that really is a difficulty for Christians who are servants at heart. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. As God's servants, we want to help everybody. We want to be there for people. But here's what Proverbs 3 verse 27 says. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it's in the power of thine hand to do it. Now think about what this is saying. Don't withhold good. Your spirit ought to be to give, to help. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. Oh, there's a qualifier. Good is not always due those who ask it or think they should receive it. Don't withhold good from them to whom it is due, but there are some out there, it's not due them. Again, what have we already seen from Scripture? If they don't work, they shouldn't eat. So if they're unwilling to work, do I give to them? I think the Scripture answers that for us, doesn't it? Again, I understand some people can't work, but that needs to be discerned before I give. Notice, and then do good when it's in the power of thine hand to do it. Sometimes it's not in the power of my hand to help. Like what the apostles said, what Peter said, remember that silver and gold have I? None, but what I have I'm going to give to you. And it was spiritual help. Again, a healing took place, but introducing them to the Savior. It is not always in the power of our hand to help. Question for you. Did Jesus feed all the hungry 
heal all the sick and raise all the dead in Israel during his earthly ministry, yes or no? Question, could he have done that? Of course, he's God. It was in the power of his hand to do it. But he was specific in who he ministered to. How did he know? The will of the Father. But it was done in accordance to accomplishing what the Father had given him to do. Why didn't he just make all wrongs right? He healed. He raised the dead. He fed in order to draw people to himself for salvation. And very practically, that meant that our Lord knew how to say no. And so we need the Lord's wisdom. Learn to say no. Consider, Lord, is this part of your will for me? Do I have the ability to meet my need? And sometimes we have to discern, is do good, is good due to those who want it, are asking for it? And that goes, of course, back to the Holy Spirit's power because we need His wisdom, don't we? So learn to say no. Number three, take time to plan according to biblical priorities. Take time to plan according to biblical priorities. Keep a to-do list, but here's the question you need to ask your to-do list. What does God want me to do first, and then second, and then third? According to his priorities, what does he want me to do? And then I do it in that order. Now, if you're structured and you're careful and you're, going, uh, you're doing these things in the power of the Lord, here's what you're going to discover. God gets involved in your to-do list. And there have been things that I've been so burdened to get done, and you know what? God just takes that off the list. Or God has somebody else do that that's on the list. But I can go to bed at night, pillow my head, and know God's work got done. There are still things on that list. Things that I wanted to do, things I couldn't get to, but I did it in His strength according to what He said was most important, and I'm going to trust Him with the rest of it. It's okay. Again, I love Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Not, not just material things, but how about the things that we need to do? The things that need to be done, the needs that my family has, the, the needs that the work of the Lord has. What about those things? Well, he'll add those things too. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. No one plans to fail, they just fail to plan. List your duties, and then start where Jesus would start on your list. Finally, take time to rest. Take time to rest. Rest is part of your work. If I can say it that way, Jesus rested. Remember that the structure and success of his work was perfect. But he took time away. So take time to rest. Let's close. To get a better hold on God and redeem the time. 
need to be still and know God. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Let Him renew you. One of the things that will help you, perhaps, is how many of you in this room and watching on live stream, how many of you have electric gadgets that require batteries? Okay? And batteries just go and go and go and don't they? No, they don't. Okay? You have to plug them in at night. There's all kinds of stuff plugged in overnight at my house. Why? Because it too needs to be renewed. And if I'll get up in the morning and I'll, or for some folks because of schedule, I, I've encouraged some folks, look, as early as you've got to get up, give God the best time of your day. And so if before you go to bed at night because you're up at 4.30 in the morning, Take your time with the Lord then. Renew then, sleep and get up. Have a word of prayer. Surrender yourself to the Lord and then, then head off. Whatever is, is going to be best, but daily renew. And if we will do that, get hold of God, He'll help us to buy back the time and use it wisely. Now, what will help us with that? Let's close with this. First of all, become a devoted follower of Christ. The more you worship Him and follow His example, the more confidence and peace you'll have in your use of time, and the less likely you'll be to trust yourself. Right? So be a devoted follower of Christ. Ladies who are here. Ladies that are watching. Do you remember two sisters in the New Testament? Mary and Martha. Okay? Both knew the Lord, I think both loved the Lord, but when Jesus came to visit, and by the way, I'm going to make this personal, if Jesus came to visit, where would you be? In the kitchen or in the living room? The temptation, some of you are smiling, so the temptation would be to be in the kitchen. Okay? Martha was in the kitchen. Where's Mary? Well, she's sloughing off. She's visiting with, no, she's not sloughing off. She's learning from the Lord, and, and the longer they're in the other room, and they're having the Lord's teaching, uh, Lazarus and, and, uh, and Mary, the, the more angry Martha's getting, frustrated. I need help. Why aren't they helping? And she even takes that frustration to the Lord, doesn't she? And what's the Lord's response to Martha, Martha, Martha? You're encumbered about many things. Wait a minute, was she serving the Lord? Of course she was. But she was troubled. And what did the Lord say to her? Mary has chosen the better part. All right. So be a devoted follower of Christ. Next, repent of pride that says, if I don't do it, who will? Do you know that's pride? Pride drives our attempts to fix problems ourselves rather than accepting that God is in control and He can do it better. Repent of pride. I've had to repent of pride. I'm a fixer. I've mentioned that. All right? But realize that God is in control. He can do it better either through us or without us or through someone else. The important part is we just let him do it. 
however he wants to do it. And then finally, be a student of your own heart. Do you know that when it comes to your effectiveness and your schedule and your use of time, your greatest asset or your greatest enemy is your heart? It's not people messing up your schedule. It's not vehicles that don't start and kids that don't cooperate or whatever. It's not that. The problem is right here. Be a student of your heart. Countless motivations can drive us. We started out this study tonight with that. Countless motivations can drive us, both good and evil. Do you live for the approval of others or for the approval of God? Do you experience low-grade anxiety when you sit still? Do you need everything around you to be neat and orderly and in the right place and to be according to your schedule? That's nothing more than you feeling like you need to be in control. That's your security drawn from you being in control instead of letting God be in control. And part of the problem is pride. What desires or fears keep you from resting, which is the will of God? All right, so in conclusion, again, be a devoted follower of Christ. Watch out for pride and then be aware, be a student of your own heart. I hope that these truths will help us when we think about a new year. I like to say to people, may God give you a blessed and especially now a healthy and a fruitful new year. But so much of that has to do with our use of time. And the best advice we can see from God's word is we need to just hang on to God. Let him work through us and empower us to redeem the time. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life.